Book Seven, Chapters One and Two of the Wars of the Jews. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wars of the Jews by Josephus, translated by William Whiston, Book Seven, containing the interval of about three years from the taking of Jerusalem by Titus to the sedition at Cyrene. To the sedition at Cyrene. Chapter One. How the entire city of Jerusalem was demolished, excepting three towers, and how Titus commanded his soldiers in a speech made to them and distributed rewards to them, and then dismissed many of them. One. Now, as soon as the army had no more people to slay or to plunder, because there remained none to the objects of their fury, for they would not have spared any had there remained any other work to be done. Caesar gave orders that they should now demolish the entire city and temple, but should leave as many of the towers standing as were of the greatest eminency, that is, Phasaelus and Hippicus and Mariamne, and so much of the wall as enclosed the city on the west side. This wall was spared in order to afford a camp for such as were to lie in garrison, as were the towers also spared, in order to demonstrate to posterity what kind of city it was and how well fortified which the Roman valor had subdued. But for all the rest of the wall it was thoroughly laid even with the grounds by those that dug it up to the foundation, that there was left nothing to make those that came thither believe it had ever been inhabited. This was the end which Jerusalem came to by the madness of those that were for innovations, a city otherwise of great magnificence, and of mighty fame among all mankind. Footnote. Why the great Bocart should say that there are in this clause of Josephus as many mistakes as words, I do by no means understand. Josephus thought Melchizedek first built, or rather rebuilt, and adorned this city, and that it was called Salem, as Psalm 76.2 afterwards came to be called Jerusalem, and that Melchizedek, being a priest as well as a king, built to the true God therein a temple, or place for public divine worship and sacrifice all which things may be very true for aught we know to the contrary. And for the word or temple, as it must needs belong to the great temple built by Solomon long afterwards, Josephus himself uses for the small tabernacle of Moses, as he here presently uses for a large and splendid synagogue of the Jews at Antioch. End footnote. 2. But Caesar resolved to leave there, as a guard, the tenth legion, with certain troops of horsemen and companies of footmen. So, having entirely completed this war, he was desirous to commend his whole army, on account of the great exploits they had performed, and to bestow proper rewards on such as had signalized themselves therein. He had therefore a great tribunal made for him in the midst of the place where he had formerly encamped, and stood upon it with his principal commanders about him, and spake so as to be heard by the whole army in the manner following, that he returned them abundance of thanks for their good will which they had showed to him, he commended them for that ready obedience they had exhibited in this whole war, which obedience had appeared in the many and great dangers which they had courageously undergone, as also for that courage they had shown, and had thereby augmented of themselves their country's power, and had made it evident to all men that neither the multitude of their enemies, nor the strength of their places, nor the largeness of their cities, nor the rash boldness and brutish rage of their antagonists, were sufficient at any time to get clear of the Roman valor although some of them may have fortune in many respects on their side, 
He said, further, that it was but reasonable for them to put an end to this war, now it had lasted so long, for that they had nothing better to wish for when they entered into it, and that this happened more favorably for them, and more for their glory, that all the Romans had willingly accepted of those for their governors, and the curators of their dominions, whom they had chosen for them, and had sent them into their own country for that purpose, which still continued under the management of those whom they had pitched on, and were thankful to them for pitching upon them. That, accordingly, although he did both admire and tenderly regard them all, because he knew that every one of them had undergone as cheerfully about their work as their abilities and opportunities would give them leave. Yet, he said, he would immediately bestow rewards and dignities on those that had fought the most bravely and with greater force, and had signalized their conduct in the most glorious manner, and had made his army more famous by their noble exploits, and that no one who had been willing to take more pains than another should miss of a just retribution of the same, for that he had been exceeding careful about this matter, and that the more because he had much rather reward the virtues of his fellow-soldiers than punish such as had offended. 3. Hereupon Titus ordered those whose business it was to read the list of all that had performed great exploits in this war, whom he called to him by their names, and commanded them before the company, and rejoiced in them in the same manner as a man would have rejoiced in his own exploits. He also put on their heads crowns of gold, and golden ornaments about their necks, and gave them long spears of gold, and ensigns that were made of silver, and removed every one of them to a higher rank. And besides this he plentifully distributed among them, out of the spoils, and the other prey they had taken, silver, golds, and garments. So when they had all these honors bestowed upon them, according to his own appointment, made to every one, and he had wished all sorts of happiness to the whole army, he came down, among the great acclamations which were made to him, and then betook himself to offer thank-offerings to the gods, and at once sacrificed a vast number of oxen, that stood ready on the altars, and distributed them among the army to feast on. And when he had stayed three days among the principal commanders, and so feasted with them, he sent away the rest of his army to the several places where they would be every one best situated, but permitted the tenth legion to stay, as a guard at Jerusalem, and did not send them away beyond the Euphrates, where they had been before. And as he remembered that the twelfth legion had given way to the Jews, under Cestius their general, he expelled them out of all Syria, for they had lain formerly at Raphnia, and sent them away to a place called Melatine, near Euphrates, which is in the limits of Armenia and Cappadocia. He also thought fit that two of the legions should stay with him till he should go to Egypt. He then went down with his army to that Caesarea which lay by the seaside, and there laid up the rest of the spoils in great quantities, and gave order that the captives should be kept there, for the winter season hindered him then from sailing into Italy. CHAPTER Two, HOW TITUS EXHIBITED ALL SORTS OF SHOWS AT Caesarea Philippi CONCERNING SIMON THE TYRANT, HOW HE WAS TAKEN AND RESERVED FOR THE TRIUMPH. 1. Now at the same time that Titus Caesar lay at the siege of Jerusalem, did Vespasian go on board a merchant ship and sail from Alexandria to Rhodes, whence he sailed away in ships with three rows of oars, as he touched at several cities that lay in his road, he was joyfully received by them all, and so passed over from Ionia to Greece, whence he set sail from Corsaira to the promontory of Iapix, 
whence he took his journey by land. But as for Titus, he marched from that Caesarea which lay by the seaside, and came to that which is named Caesarea Philippi, and stayed there a considerable time, and exhibited all sorts of shows there. And here a great number of the captives were destroyed, some being thrown to wild beasts, and others in multitudes, forced to kill one another, as if they were their enemies. And here it was that Titus was informed of the seizure of Simon the son of Gioras, which was made after the manner following. This Simon, during the siege of Jerusalem, was in the upper city, but when the Roman army was gotten within the walls, and were laying the city waste, he then took the most faithful of his friends with him, and among them some that were stone-cutters, with those iron tools which belonged to their occupation, and as great a quantity of provisions as would suffice them for a long time, and let himself and all them down into a certain subterraneous cavern that was not visible above ground. Now so far, as had been digged of old, they went onward along it without disturbance. But where they met with solid earth, they dug a mine underground, and this in hopes that they should be able to proceed so far as to rise from underground in a safe place, and by that means escape. But when they came to make the experiment, they were disappointed of their hope, for the miners could make but small progress, and that with difficulty also insomuch that their provisions, though they distributed them by measure, began to fail them. And now Simon, thinking he might be able to astonish and elude the Romans, put on a white frock, and buttoned upon him a purple cloak, and appeared out of the ground in the place where the temple had formerly been. At the first, indeed, those that saw him were greatly astonished, and stood still where they were, but afterwards they came nearer to him, and asked who he was. Now Simon would not tell them, but bid them call for their captain, and when they ran to call him, Terentius Rufus, who was left to command the army there, came to Simon, and learned of him the whole truth, and kept him in bonds, and let Caesar know that he was taken. Footnote. This Terentius Rufus, as Rayland in part observes here, is the same person whom the Talmudists call Ternus Rufus, of whom they relate that he ploughed up Zion as a field, and made Jerusalem become as heaps, and the mountain of the house as the high idises of a forest, which was long before foretold by the prophet Micah, chapter 3, 12, and quoted from him in the prophecies of Jeremiah, chapter 26, 18. End footnote. Thus did God bring this man to be punished for what bitter and savage tyranny he had exercised against his countrymen by those who were his worst enemies and this while he was not subdued by violence, but voluntarily delivered himself up to them to be punished, and that on the very same account that he had laid false accusations against many Jews, as if they were falling away to the Romans, and had barbarously slain them for wicked actions, do not escape the divine anger, nor is justice too weak to punish offenders, but in time overtakes those that transgress its laws, and inflicts its punishments upon the wicked in a manner so much more severe as they expected to escape it on account of their not being punished immediately. Footnote. See Ecclesiastes 8.11. End footnote. Simon was made sensible of this by falling under the indignation of the Romans. The rise of his out of the ground did also occasion the discovery of a great number of others of the seditious at that time who had hidden themselves underground. But for Simon he was brought to Caesar in bonds, when he was come back to that Caesarea which was on the seaside, 
who gave orders that he should be kept against that triumph which he was to celebrate at Rome upon this occasion. End of Book 7, Chapters 1 and 2 Recording by Katie Riley February 2009